say good morning to our church family, and we'd like to say good morning also to uh, our online community. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for them. Amen. 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 We're just thankful and grateful. We're following the auction of the Holy Spirit uh, as he has um, shared with us what he wants us to know. And I'm quite sure many of you, many of us, I like to include myself as well, uh, will find ourselves somewhere in this scripture. Because I know that when the Lord gave it to me I, in prayer and I heard him and I said, okay, God, I'll follow what you say. I'll do what you say. Um, we'd like to invite your attention. We're going to start off in the book of Second Samuel. Uh, we're going to start off in Second Samuel. We're going to have to go old school today. You're going to have to use your Bibles. Amen. Um, I didn't put the scriptures in because I thought Dr. Manning was going to be standing there on the camera. So I guess I'm going to have to be stationary. Amen. Amen. Second Samuel chapter number four. Second Samuel chapter number four is where we're going to begin. Father, bless your word. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would just cover us and you would allow your Holy Spirit, who is the teacher, he will come and he will minister into us. Now, Father God, we bind up every hand of the adversary and we, we take full control. He has no rights and he has no authority in this place. For this is your house. This is your house is called the house of, of prayer. And we thank you for it now. Move mightily through your word and bring us to a place where you so desire for us to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Second Samuel chapter number 4. And the title of this message and it's one that's suitable not only um, throughout the year, but mostly it takes place a lot during this season. Uh, and the title is called Broken. It's called Broken. This is what the Lord gave us, Broken. And you're going to see why. Because um, in, in our own personal lives, and this is where we have to go back and look at our own personal life, somewhere... We were broken. It usually it starts out in, in childhood. Uh, it may in, be in your teenage years that somewhere you were broken. And strangely enough, uh, sometimes that brokenness uh, carries over into our adulthood. Sometimes we, we reach the change, and sometimes we don't reach the change. Because once you're broken, there's a lot of things that goes with that brokenness. All right. Now, we're going to begin at Second Samuel chapter number four, and we're going to read verse number four, verse number four. And it says, and Jonathan, a Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old. When the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. All right, now let's look at some of these words here we need to understand. The Bible says that he was lame. He had, Jonathan had a son that was lame in his feet. Now, that word lame there, um, in the physical sense, might mean loss of mobility. However, spiritually, it means to be crippled 
in our spiritual understanding. It also means it may put one in bondage because you're crippled in your spiritual understanding. And the next word we want to look at, that it says he was five years old. Oftentimes we talk about the number five, we talk about grace. But here, this number five, it symbols a major change, uh, a major life change. You know, when, 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 when we are dropped, you know, uh, the Bible says uh, in, in haste that the nurse uh, dropped him. You see, here also that nurse is your support system. Now, when your support system drop you, it leaves an after effect. When, when they heard about the tidings, the announcement that came from Jezreel, which, which means God will sow strength. They didn't think about God sowing strength when everything started happening. They didn't think about that. And so what happened was they went about and they were acting out in fear. Now, also, we have to see that his name was Mephibosheth, which means a dispeller of shame, confusion. Sometimes we will allow the world to define us. Uh, his name also means scattering of, of disgrace. Um, and also, it, it means um, to be, not in the sense of being disfigured, but uh, to be ashamed. It's interesting because that's not his original name. His original name was not Mephibosheth. It wasn't that at all. All right? And sometimes when we allow the world to define us, that it will also name us. Amen. That the world will give us a name and we will take on that name. And once we take on that name, if we don't know who we are, we will live it out all throughout our days. That is that is so sad. You think about what may have happened to you during your your early childhood or your teenage years. Why is it? that it takes us so long to get to the place where we know who we are. Amen. Have anybody been dropped before and, and the world named you, defined you? You know, and see, that's how that is. But if we don't do what needs to be done, we will carry on that name with the world defined us forever. And, and, and that's, that is not good. That's not good. Now, Let's look at First Chronicles chapter number 8. We won't be before you long. First Chronicles chapter number 8. First Chronicles, we're Old Testament, First Chronicles chapter number 8. And we're going to look at verse number 34. We're going to look at verse number 34. Verse number 34. It says, And the son of Jonathan was Merabal. And Merabal uh, became, begat Michael. Michael's his son. Now, Merabal, uh, his, his real name means to strive or to contend. It also means contention, but it also means a fighter. So when you think about who you really are, uh, you are a fighter, not one that, dis, that uh, dispels shame or, or, or a disgrace. It also means to, to rule over, to exercise, have dominion over, uh, to own, to be lord over, or master over. 
All right? And we got to understand that we can't have two masters. So instead of him uh, uh, going with the name that, that he originated with, meaning he's a fighter, because a lot of times we don't like to fight. We like to lay down and allow the world to walk all over us. Amen? But, but in the beginning, we have to understand that he is a fighter. That's who we are. Because, see, in, in, in our younger days, in our younger days, and when we were dropped by those that we felt should have been there for us, then we just gave up. That we, the, the fight that we're supposed to have had, the fight is not there. So we got to learn to be fighters. No matter what comes our way, we have to learn to fight, to contend, all right? Because we got to contend with the world. That, that, that's very important. Because if we're not careful, we will remain broken throughout the remainder of our lives. Now, the next thing that we want to look at is the fact that, now remember, he is the next one in line to the kingship. He's the next heir, Mephibosheth. He's the next heir to the throne. Saul is his grandfather. Jonathan is his father. But because of his condition and what happened to him, his throneship, his kingship was, in essence, taken from him. Because sometimes we think less of ourselves than what we're supposed to. You know, we, we, we lower our understanding and our standards. And can I get an amen on that? You know, we compare ourselves with somebody else. And even though our condition may be one thing, if we would go with who God says that we are, then we wouldn't even go about comparing ourselves with somebody else. And sometimes when we are dropped or when we have been mistreated or something has happened to us in our early childhood life or our teenager life, then what happens is we just forget and we just lay down and we don't take on the gift uh, and the intelligence that God has placed on the inside of us. We allow, once again, we allow the world, we allow the world to define who we are. All right, now, the next thing we want to look at is the story, because there is a timeline. There is a timeline uh, in regards to this, all right? Now, we want to look at Second Samuel. We're going back to Second Samuel, chapter number 9. Second Samuel, chapter number 9. Chapter number 9, and we are going to begin with verse 1. Okay, Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. All right, there's a few verses that we're going to read here. All right, remember now, he's, next, he's the next one in line for the kingship, but he doesn't get it. All right? Now, when David was first crowned, and you can find this in Second Samuel chapter 5, Mephibosheth, he was probably about 13 or 14 years old, all right? He was crowned over all of Israel, and also um, he was crowned prior to that. At that time, he was probably 21 years old. Now, when he, he was probably 21. Now, when he received the invitation to sit at the king's table, it was around the age, he was like about 50 years old, all right? Now, there's a meaning for the number of 50, now, the number 50 means spiritual development, enlightenment, transformation, the letting go of limited beliefs that we may have about ourselves. See, when, when, he's, when he is found by David, because David wants to know, did, did Jonathan have any, any 
family left. He, at that time, he was about 50 years old when he was discovered. But he had to learn to let go of that belief that he had. Because in chapter number 9, it's going to tell us what he actually thought about himself. All right? We're talking about brokenness. Brokenness. All right? Now, verse number 1 in chapter number 9, it says, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul? that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. They were very, very, very close. All right? Now, verse number 2 says this, And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is. Now, we have to understand what that name actually means there, the name Zebra, because now we're talking about the broken year. Now, Zebra in the Hebrew represents a remembrance of formal experiences after the personal will has yielded to the divine will. It also means statue, and it's a, it is a representation of something that, once was. Sometimes we think we're entitled to some, to some things, uh, especially when it comes down to our past. So here it is now. Here's the servant. And he is beginning to tell him about Mephibosheth, okay? Now, in verse number 3, it says, And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. He's crippled in his spiritual understanding. He's crippled in his spiritual understanding. Now, we're going to look at some other things here because uh, you have to be careful of the zebra that we allow in our life. And we'll show that through the scripture because everybody that say they're for you are really not for you. Amen. They're really after what you have. All right. Now, and, uh, it says now in verse number 4, it says, And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Zeba, remember now Zeba is the, the one that, that remembers something that was. He felt like he's entitled to something, all right? Yeah, remember that. He goes on, he says, Behold, he is in the house of Micah, all right? Now, that word Micah there means enslaved, all right? It means to be sold or to be enslaved. It says that he is the son, which is the builder of Amiel. Amiel means the people of God. So where he was, where he ended up to be, is in the, and as we talked about, we talked about Lodabar, where we get to Lodabar, it says that he's in the house of Micah, which is he's enslaved, but he's also uh, with the people of God, Amir. And where they are, they are in Lodabar. Now, remember he's dropped. He's broken. And because he's dropped and because he's broken, then uh, the nurse, that support system, takes him to a place. But the sad part is that she takes him to a place they call Lodabar. Now, when you understand what the word Lodabar means, it means without order, it means no leader, it means rebellious, it means not governed, 
no shepherd without a speech and also means no word. Even though he was next in line for kingship, he was in a place of Lodabar. And not only was he there by himself, he wasn't there by himself. He was there with the people of God. Now, you would think that the people of God wouldn't be in a place uh, where there's no word, okay, or no communication uh, without order or a place where they have no leader. But there they are. They're in that place called Lodabar. So they're all there together. And the sad part, even today, some of uh, the, the body of Christ, they're still living in Lodabar. They're still living in a place called brokenness. Broken. Think about your own, your own life. Think about uh, during the time of your early childhood or during the time of your teenage years. And think about what happened to you during that time. Think about maybe some of the words that were spoken to you, some of the things that were said to you, and how it made you feel. And in, 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 in the haste of trying to do something good, you ended up in a major life change, a major life change. And with that major life change, you ended up in a place of brokenness. Many adults, sad to say, are still in a place of brokenness. They're still in a place of brokenness. They, they still, just like Mephibosheth, they still believe, and we're going to go on to that scripture, uh, less about themselves because of what had happened to them in the past. All right? So, so now we're going to look at now verse number five. Verse number five. It says, Then King David sent, and he fetched him out of the house of Micah. In other words, out of uh, a place of enslavement or out of a place of bondage, all right? And then he says, he says to him, he says, and uh, the house of Micah, the son of Amir, where the, that's where the, the people of God are, and, and he calls him to come forth from Lodabar, all right? Now, in verse number 6 in Second Samuel chapter number 9, it says, now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Behold thy servant. He reverenced the king. Even though David was crowned king, it wasn't David's position to, be, to actually be crowned king. The next heir was Jonathan's son. But because he was lame or had some type of spiritual uh, lack of spiritual understanding. He wasn't crowned king, even though he was the next heir to kingship. Have you ever been um, at a place uh, where you know you deserve that job, you deserve to be promoted, and when they looked on you, they felt like, man felt like you, you, you didn't deserve that job. So they put, promote somebody over you. See, and, and, and makes, it does make you feel bad. Yeah. But one thing I do know is God will rectify that. Now, I've got a, I've got a story and I've got a testimony with that. Amen. I, 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 I've got one of those. Amen. Because that actually happened to me, you know, where, where I was running a job, doing the job. And when it came time to actually place someone in that position, they promoted someone else in that position. 
And lo and behold, God is good because later on, the same position I was denied, God gave it to me. And that's when I had to say to, the, to, to my boss at that time, I said, if God has it for me, all the devils in hell can't take it from me. And the Lord blessed me with it. So there are times when a man will uh, elevate somebody else over you. But you got to make sure that when we present ourselves, we don't present ourselves with um, uh, no communication or one that, that has no word or uh, no leadership ability. Because, and thank you, Holy Spirit. And we don't want to present ourselves in a spirit of brokenness. Because, see, when you go have an interview, you've got to sell you. <laughs> when you go to an interview, you've got to sell you. You, you can't sell all the stuff you've been through and you make yourself a little bit lower when God is trying to elevate you. But what Mephibosheth was doing here, the first thing he says, he bowed down to, he bowed down to David. He humbled himself. But watch verse number 7, the next few verses here, in chapter number 9 in Second Samuel. Now, verse 7 says, And David said unto him, Fear not. First thing David had to do was address the fear. How many of us operate in fear when God is calling us to a higher position? I've been there. Okay. But he had to address the fear first. He addressed the fear. He tells him to fear not. He said, I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. In other words, if God promised you anything, you can bank on it. You can rest assured that God is going to bring it to pass. Bring it to pass. And then he, he says in the, in the B clause, the verse number 7, he says, and he's saying, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continuously. In other words, he said, listen, I'm going to restore everything back to you that was taken from you. See, we're in a season now that God is doing some things of, of, of restoration. He's, he's going to restore some things because there's a lot of things that has been taken from us. Amen? And so we got to make sure that we, our perception about ourselves is different. All right? Because we don't want to present brokenness. Going back to it as in the beginning, you know, when, when, when we don't have that support system or when we're dropped, when nobody's there for us, all right, then we can become broken and it was, it was screw how we really think about ourselves. That's why the Lord says this word today is called broken, a brokenness, amen, because you can stay in that condition all of your life. You can. You can stay in that condition all of your life. Now, verse number 8 says, And he bowed himself and said, what is thy servant? Now, watch this. Now, he, remember now, he's really the next one in line for kingship. But because of his condition, he doesn't want that or he feels like he can't do it. All right? He says in verse 8, And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog? Mm. As I am. You see the perception how he saw himself. See, in our brokenness, we can perceive to think that we're worthless. Hmm. We can perceive that we're of no, no good. But we don't want to 
to allow the world to define us that way, or we may define our own selves that way. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we look up on our own selves and say, we're like a dead dog, we're worthless, we're no count, we're no good. That's how he perceives himself. See, we have to know what God says about us. God says that we are, we are, are, are wonderfully made, wonderfully made. You know, God didn't, didn't create no junk. I'm not junk. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. See, you, you got to understand something. You are a, oh, Holy Spirit, I hear you. You are a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece that has been shaped by the hands of the almighty God. So you, our perception should not be, I'm worthless. I, I, I can't have that job, uh, 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 even though I'm qualified for that job, but because the way I perceive myself, I won't go after the job. Anybody been there? Amen. Amen. You see, you got to look at that. So it's our perception of ourselves, our perception. You're not worthless. You know, it, it's not. You're, you're, you're valuable to God. You know, God loves us so much, and that's something that we have to remember. So he is looking at himself as being worthless. He's down there in Lodabar with all them other, I can't call them saints, all them other folk, church folk. I can call them church folk, right? Because we're supposed to be disciples of Christ, all right? So, so he's down there with all the other church folk, and they're living in a place, no communication. Hmm. They don't have no word, no leadership ability. Listen, God called us to be leaders. Leaders. God called us to be leaders. It's okay to follow, but the main thing we got to understand, God called the saints of God, the body of Christ, to be leaders. It should not be where the world is leading us rather than us leading the world. Amen. You know, because sometimes the the world will lead us. We allow the world to lead us. Amen. But that's not where God called us to be. Amen. So anyway, he he has this perception of himself. Now, looking at verse number 9 in chapter number 9, 2 Samuel, verse number 9 says, Then the king called to Ziba. Y'all watch this fellow. Saul's servant. And he said unto him, Have given unto thy master, son, all that pertain to Saul and to all of his house. All right. Then verse 10 says, Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Zeba, he had 15 sons. This is the servant. He had 15 sons, and he had 20 servants. All right. Verse number 11 says, Then said Zeba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do, and and that uh, he shall the uh, the young man shall eat at, at the king's table, and then it says as one of the king's sons. Now let's let's deal with this joker, uh, Zeba, the one that has the fifteen sons. He's he's 
lives in the past. He, 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 he's always one that have a representation of something that once was, that he was entitled to. Now, remember that word entitlement. Now, it said he had 15 sons. Now, the number 15 symbolizes deliverance. It's an idea of restoration, restitution, and healing. But it also said he has 20 servants. They are they symbolized, the number 20 symbolizes a long-term belief, which includes some periods of waiting. It includes some periods of waiting. It includes some periods of waiting. Uh, in other words, the inner strength. He had inner strength to resist from the outside influences that attempts to weaken or hamper or one from succeeding. All right? So we have to make sure that we understand about Zebra. He has his servants, okay? He has sons. Now watch, watch, watch him. Watch him. Second Samuel chapter number 19. You see in those verses there, what he did was he told the king, okay, we, we will serve Mephibosheth. We, we will serve him. We will do what he tells us to do. We will wait on him. You know, he, he's crippling his understanding. So what has happened, uh, things have been put in his path so somebody can be able to take care of him. But now when you go to Second Samuel chapter number 19, Second Samuel chapter number 19, Second Samuel chapter number 19, Second Samuel chapter number 19. All right. And we're going to begin at verse number 24. Remember I told you you got to be careful with the zebra people that's in your life, all right, because they will try to take what belongs to you, all right? Yeah. And that's why we have to get over this, this thing about brokenness. We have to get over uh, um, our life or our belief that we don't amount to anything, we're worthless, and because of what happened to you in your childhood or what happened to you in your teenage years, we have to come out of that place of Lodabar and know who God has called for us to be. Now, Second Samuel, chapter number 19, verse number 24, it says, Now, Mephibosheth, which means uh, the speller of gr- uh, 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 disgrace or shame, the speller of shame, he says, The son of Saul came down to meet the king, and he had neither dressed his feet nor trimmed his beard nor washed his clothes. From the day the king departed until the day he came again in peace. All right. Now, verse number 25 says, And it came to pass when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest not thou with me? And then the king responds, and uh, uh, son says, Jonathan sons, he says in verse number 26, And he answered, my Lord, O king, my servant deceived me. Zeba deceived Mephibosheth. He lied to him. He said, my, my servant deceived me, for thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass that I may ride thereon and go to the king because thy servant is lame. What he did was he used Mephibosheth's condition to keep him, leaving him, leaving him behind so he can go and tell a lie on, on him. Anybody ever had anybody lie on him? 
Yeah, you, that's why you got to watch them zebras in your life. You, 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 you got to watch them because they will tell a lie on you, and they will tell a lie so they can get what you have. Now, in verse number uh, 27, he says, And he hath slandered thy servant unto my lord the king. But my lord the king is as an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. For all of my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table. What right therefore have I yet to cry any more unto the king? And, and this is what, what I love about uh, uh, Mephibosheth. Even though he was a dis- his name means to be a dispeller of shame or disgrace, he had enough God in him. Because in verse number 29 it says, And the king said unto him, to my David, Why speakest thou any more of thy matters? I have said, Thou and Zeba divided the land. Well, the land didn't belong to him. It didn't belong to the servant. It belonged to Mephibosheth. He was the next in line. But because of the lie that he told to the king, it calls for him to lose what he had. And, and the beauty in verse number 30, it says, And Mephibosheth said unto the king, Yea, let him take all, for as much as my lord the king has come again in peace unto his own house. So he was willing to give up all that he had because he was excited that the king was not dead. He, he was dead, David. But let me show you, show you one other scripture, 2 Samuel chapter number 16. That's why I say you've got to be very, very careful who you have. Thank you. I hear that word. Who you have in your inner circle. You have to be careful who you have in your inner circle. All right? Now, Second Samuel, chapter number 16, and we're going to look at verse number 3. Verse number 3. It says, And the king said, And where is thy master's son? And Ziba said unto the king, Watch him. Behold, he abided at Jerusalem. For he said, Today shall, shall the house of Israel Restore me the kingdom of thy father. Well, that's not what the conversation was about when he was there with him. When Ziba was, was there with Mephibosheth, he was saying because he was lame that you stay behind, I'll, I'll handle this. But when he gets to the king, he tells a lie and said Mephibosheth was trying to betray the king. That never took place. And because of that, he ends up with half of his inheritance. That's why I say you've got to be careful who is in your inner circle. You've got to be careful. You have to be very, very careful. Whether you realize it or not, what God has for you, and a lot of people do not operate in the gifting that God has for them, somebody else is watching you and wanting that anointing. That's what's happening. That somebody's there wanting what you, what God has placed on you. Now, God has enough for everybody. So you don't have to look at somebody else and, and lust after uh, what they have. I, I want to be like them. I, 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 wish, I wish I had a voice like them. No. You don't know what that person went through. 
in order to get what they've got. Oh, I, I, I would love to have this. I would love to have that. I would love to have that big house. I would love to have those fancy cars. I would love to have that job. But they don't tell you all the, thank you, Holy Spirit, all the hell that comes with it. Because that's what happens. Because let me tell you something. When you step into that leadership role, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. you have to make some sacrifices. And see, we don't understand that because of the fact that we look at somebody else and we want what they have. Let me tell y'all something. This little piece of wood and people that would just love to be here and love to be pastors and uh, love to be all this thing, let me tell you something. It will kill you. It will literally consume your life. It, oh, that looks easy. Yeah, for two hours on Sunday morning. But what about those other days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, when you got to go through pure hell? I mean, there, there is a whole lot that goes with this. It's more than just two hours on Sunday morning. Better yet, the service is two hours. The preacher preached 20 minutes, maybe. You do good if you get 30 minutes. Hello. We, 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 we can, let me tell you something. We can sing for an hour. We can do praise for an hour. <laughs> but when it comes down to the word, now it's, it's the word that we need because that's what we're going to have to use when we go into battle. But let me tell you something. This thing ain't easy up here. It's, it's not easy. It's not, it's not easy because there are some other hours and other days that, no, it is not easy. But, but the key thing is, here he is, the, the, his very servant that made the promise to the king, oh, we're going to take care of him. We're going to do whatever you tell us to do. And he stabbed, anybody been stabbed in the back? He literally stabbed him in the back. Read the story. It's true. It's, it's, it's just like modern times right now. People will grin in your face and they will stab you in your back. Anybody that ever happened to you? <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you. Amen. That, that's what happens. But, but, but see, you have to understand now. If, this, uh, let me go on with the conversation with, with, with Zeba. Our Zeba's talking, okay? Now, in verse number four, it says, Then said the king to Zeba, Behold, thine are all that pertain unto Mephibosheth. And Zeba said, I humbly beseech thee that I might find grace in thy sight, my Lord, O king. You remember now, when we talked about the name uh, Zeba, it also talks about um, one waiting. Oh, we're talking about the, the servants. It, uh, a waiting, there's a waiting period. Uh, it's a symbol of uh, long-term beliefs, which includes some periods of waiting. Zebra didn't have a problem of waiting. He was willing to wait it out, waiting for the, oh, Holy Spirit. He was waiting for the opportunity to seize what the king had. Because really, in actuality, Maribel, which his name means fighter, uh, Mephibosheth also, it means to the fact that that which he had, that he was heir to, then there was his servants was eyeing what he had. Now, be careful. But you're in a circle because everybody that say they're for you, not for you. 
they'll be right there in your circle. And they'll make you think that, that you're wonderful, you're great, but at the same time, they're there to destroy you. All because they are eyeing what you have. But we have to make sure that we understand that we have to make sure we got to do like Jesus. Jesus had Peter, James, and John in his inner circle. He had 12 disciples now, but his inner circle was Peter, James, and John. So you make sure we, you know, you check out your Peter, James, and John. All right? Because, see, even though sometimes they, they're willing to go with you, sometimes they get tired because they got tired with Jesus and they went to sleep. <laughs> but, but the main thing, Jesus always took them with him. So be very careful. In, in the midst of our brokenness, because that is the main uh, focus of the text, in the midst of our brokenness, during this time, during this season, people that are broken will become depressed. I mean, they, they go through a whole lot of changes. You know, uh, uh, when, when people are moved away from us, you, you know, you know we, we, can, we can become depressed. Now, remember, in the midst of our brokenness, don't allow it to last all of our lives. What happened, and I don't know why the Holy Spirit is, is here on this, what happened in our childhood, what happened in our teenage years should not be being manifested still in our adult life. Now, how many people do we know, whatever happened to them in their early stages of their life, that they're still carrying it out right now when they're at a place where they should be matured in God, but yet here they are, they're still in that place of brokenness. I'm angry at that person because of what happened to me 15 years ago. Ooh, lights. People dead and gone, you're still mad at them. So what you going to do? Get them up out the grave? See, you're still operating in your brokenness. The Bible tells us we're supposed to forgive. Is, forgive, is forgiveness easy? No, I'm not telling that it's easy. But what I'm telling you is that God said we got to do it. It's not optional. It's a command. He said if we don't forgive, then he won't forgive us. See, th- th- there's something that goes along with that. But we don't need to be still operating in our brokenness. We can't move on. How many people stuck? <laughs> they stuck. They stuck. Stuck on yesterday. Well, yesterday is gone. And, 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 and tomorrow is not promised. So we don't know when God's going to come and get us. So we've got to make sure that we ask the Holy Spirit to help us in this process of our brokenness. Oh, I hear the Holy Spirit say, grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Grow up. The Holy Spirit say, grow up. We need to grow up. We need to grow up. Somebody say something you wrong and and, and you get your little feelings hurt. You know how it is. We get ruffled. Thank you, brother. You understand me. You feel me. You feel me. Yeah. You get upset. But listen, you can't die with bitterness. You can't die with bitterness. You, you don't need to be dying with unforgiveness. 
some of y'all, most of the people here have heard when I had the dream about going to hell. I had this dream where I went to hell. And I remember I was descending. I was going down, going down. I was descending. And when I was, as I was descending, walking like, like walking down these steps, like I could see people, you know, there along, along the side. But when I got down to the very bottom, I looked and I saw this man. I'm like, I know you. And I asked him a question. I said, what you doing here? He said, because of unforgiveness. Because of unforgiveness. In other words, we're still broke. I don't mean broken money. I mean we're broken in spirit. We should be beyond that now. Got to be beyond that. I don't know who this word is for. I mean, it's, you know, we, we online and we around the world. And, and I'm quite sure there are a lot of broken people still holding on to things that happened to them in childhood. Never moved on. Still hating people. Don't, oh, Holy Spirit. Not speaking to folk. We got anybody up here that don't speak to people? You still mad at them? Hey, don't kill me. I'm just a messenger. (laughs) So instead of drawing back your bow to shoot your arrow, you you, you best try to send it on the head. Because God is letting us know that we need to come out of that state of brokenness and move forward. Because God has things for us. He wants to use us. It's very important that we understand that. And in this season that we're in, and we're living closer to the end of time, so many people are still in that state of brokenness.